everybody. I don't know if you guys know, but when you have a YouTube channel, you have to start every single video or something with saying, hey, everybody. So we're and here then, to talk. Then you unbox something, right? <laughs> like 25 minutes. <laughs> well, yeah, we just unboxed all this podcasting uh, stuff, and now we're going to talk about Star Wars. I've decided that we uh, take a break from the Star Trek podcast for a little bit. We're going to talk about Star Wars because the new movie's coming out. So I rounded up four uh, people who seem to know or claim to know a lot about Star Wars to fill in the gaps in my knowledge. Let's go around the table right now and talk to him. Clay, everyone knows you from Star Trek. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, I just want to, right off the bat, make sure we all watch the same thing. We're talking about the TV special Star Wars from 1968 that was like a celebrity singing battle, right? Absolutely. Okay. Did you really, <laughs> did you really need to watch that again? No. I mean, Ernest okay. Borgnine's performance of the theme from Moon River is just sublime. <laughs> <laughs> the music. We'll come back to that. Put a pin in it. Clay, welcome. Dave, how are you? How's it going? Dave Foley. Um the comedian yes i am dave foley the comedian uh i've been a lifelong star wars fan and uh i claim to know basically everything about it so here we go we'll put that to the test and jim how are you i'm doing good i've been uh watching star wars since i was in the first grade and i'm here to confess all of my nerd knowledge as best as i can it's uh it's gonna be interesting i'm probably i'm gonna take a guess and say the least big fan of star wars out of this group i don't know about clay uh yeah, you're probably the least. Okay, so I, I my well, thing, I don't know. I, Should I, we have I, a battle off about who cares the least? No, I, <laughs> I, I, I have, I have a pretty, pretty solid familiarity with everything. I don't know the super minute details as well as some people, but uh, if we have to have a conversation about it on a recorded device, I can do that. See, I um. I know, I know the details, mostly because we were talking about this before we started. I grew up playing the uh, the card game, Young Jedi, and the original game, which I can't remember. It's probably just called Star Wars. So I know a lot about CCG. the CCG. Uh, yeah, the CCG, the collectible card game, customizable. Uh, oh, goodness. <laughs> you were in a, a Thorion or whatever the species <laughs> is about card game terminology. But um, yeah, I'm I'm not. I I grew up with Star Wars. Just sort of, I had a friend group who was really into Star Wars. Um, probably still into Star Wars, although people seem to be shifting a little bit about that now. But I, it was always on in the background. It's always one of those things that you just kind of know about. And um, I never really got into for whatever reason. I was always more of a Star Trek person, as the uh, Star Trek podcast will attest to. So Yeah, I, I read the back of the, the VHS. Yeah. Of, that's, that's about it. <laughs> of the uh, the individual Star Trek episodes. Yeah. No, I, 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 I've, I've been watching... I've, you know... I, I had the uh, uh, the taped off the TV versions for years, and uh, it's it's actually kind of funny because I kind of ended up working backwards. I think I've watched Return of the Jedi more than any of the other ones, and then actually probably the first movie, and then the second one. I don't know why it took me so long to come around to Empire, but I've watched the prequels more than I've seen the original trilogy, which we is are, probably heresy. We're Ouch. done here. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. So. Dave, you've been uh, you're, you're probably the biggest fan. I'm going to go out on a guess about the uh, the four of us here. Maybe could be. Think so? I think Jim gives me a run for my money. Run for your money. You're the biggest game master from the <laughs> Star Wars role playing game. Yeah, we played that as kids. Oh yeah. So I mean, we're going to be going through the movies uh, one at a time. We're going to be starting with New Hope, then we're going to move into Empire, then Jedi, and then the prequels. So hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to us talk about this. We'll probably do an hour on each episode. Uh, we're going to try to keep them self-contained to the point of only talking about the movies, what we like, what we don't like, what's changed, how our tastes have changed, and all that stuff. So I'm going to start off with A New Hope. Let's talk about A New Hope, which came out in what, 77? 
Is that right? Yes. Yeah. That is correct. That is correct. So you fast your first question. <laughs> yeah, you're good. You, <laughs> we're done here. Although the prequels comment is still <laughs> hounding you, ringing in your ears. I'm gonna, I'm it gonna hurts. be, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to. I'll probably go a little bit negative then. I, uh, that'll be my job here. Oh, no. So, Lucas wrote and directed Star Wars: The New Hope original, which I think sets the table um, for everything here. So, give me general thoughts about New Hope, like a sentence or two, going around the table here. Well, I'm going to break the rule that you set out for us right away and say uh, I can't. It's tough to talk about this movie without thinking about the other ones. Yep. Because the first thing I noticed watch this is this is a while since I've sat down and actually watched this move this movie, and the first thing that stood out was how uh, <clears throat> how stiff it is compared to the other ones. Like even the opening credit scrawl, this font is a little bit smaller. Uh, the music isn't quite as bombastic. And uh, moving on from there, it's just a lot like the guy, uh, David Prowse, playing Darth Vader, feels really stiff. A lot of his movements are kind of stiff. James Earl Jones' voice is higher. It's like he's more animated in this movie than he is in the other. It's, it's, it's really interesting to actually sit down and watch it again. I think some of what you're picking up on is just the comfort level of where later they're doing things that they're already familiar with and all oh, this I'm, stuff. Absolutely. I'm sure yeah, it's just, it is, I mean, yeah. this is the first time you put a guy in a giant black half samurai <laughs> armor suit and was like, why don't you parade down this white hallway and like strangle a guy? Right. So, and then, you know, later clearly he's more comfortable in the skin of Vader and everybody knows. The oh, absolutely. Characters. Yeah. I, but I, I was just, I was surprised at how much of that stuff, uh, you know, you think about the characters and you think, well, we can get to this when we get to the next movie. But uh, I realize that when I think about these characters, what I'm thinking about is how they appear in The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, right. absolutely. I, I, um, we're going to be talking about two of them today. We're talking about Empire and we're talking about New Hope. What strikes me about um, New Hope is how flat it is. It, it, New Hope, to me, doesn't feel like a movie, really. It sort of feels like a um, a sort of... Pulp fictiony script that someone just kind of shot. It doesn't feel like it flows between the things too well. The um, what's funny to me is that the there's really no characterization in this. And I'm going to start it off by asking everyone to go around and tell me what in New Hope what is Vader's role and what is his rank. So I'll, just in New Hope, yeah, Dave, you might want <laughs> his. I'll go for rank first. Vader is the Emperor's second-hand man, right? He's, is that stated in this movie? He's his right hand. Um, no. So Grand Moff Tarkin is the the overseer of the Death Star. He's the big head honcho of the Empire that we see in A New Hope. But Vader has... Vader and Grand Moff Tarkin do have this relationship where Grand Moff Tarkin can order Vader what to do, but they're more on... They're more on a peer level. You know, he follows Vader around. He asks for advice and things like that. See, so yeah, from the movie, I get the impression that Vader is subservient to Tarkin in this because he does yeah, whatever Tarkin fair. tells him to do, which is a strange role. Vader in this movie seems to me like he's just a badass soldier and nothing more than that. Yeah, it's it's weird. That's another thing, and it did stand out to me a little bit too because the way Vader is played a little bit is like people are actually making fun of him, like in that in that. The, the, to his face, all, yeah. Too. When they have yeah. all the guys, I forget what the, the, the all the moths are together. <laughs> um, you know, there's that one guy that's basically calling him out because he believes in ghosts and 
hokey religions. Yeah, another and then he fu- gets the shit choked out of him. But <laughs> another funny Star Wars trope is people seem to forget everything that happened 15 years earlier. Like it never <laughs> happened. They're like this ancient religion that you speak of, and then he just chokes him. And it's like, well, he clearly people must have told you that this happened literally 15 years ago. Well, we can get. Just to discuss something about Star Wars that's interesting is Star Wars is set in the future, but it's expressly a world that doesn't have the internet. There's no Mm -hmm. mass communication of the population. And I think that's where it gets away with the idea that, yeah, 15 years ago, the Jedi ran everything and led every army. And now Han Solo and the head Imperial generals and admirals just don't believe in Jedi or the Force. Yeah, I think a lot of those timelines are imposed later. I mean, I don't think Lucas, despite what is sometimes said, was sitting out there making his full timeline of the prequels and all this nonsense. Like, in the original movie, all the backstory is portrayed as just mythic lore. And I think if you had to nail it down, it's probably considered, like, the way they talk about the Clone Wars sounds like, you know, distant mythic past or something like that and it's probably just a lack of you know not thinking through and nailing down like and then five years later yeah right i mean if you think about it like the way you'd think about uh uh like a king arthur story right you've got uh, imagine obi-wan kenobi is an old knight of the round table and he's talking to some you know street urchin or whatever i could totally see that kid being aware of knights but not being like super familiar with them because it's that's not something that they would encounter on a day to day basis. Yeah. Or and so if that whole system had collapsed since then, I could I could I mean I've never had a problem with that. I think it's totally conceivable that, that stuff could have been kind of pushed to the wayside after a while. Yeah, I I, I think it makes sense in the context of this movie uh, to break my own rule. They they do it a bunch of times, which I always think is funny. Um, but I, I'm the characterization is funny in this movie because it feels like the the people that they stick in are just sort of filling a role. Like you have Han is just a rogue. Like that is a, like he has no character outside of being a rogue. Yeah, Luke I, is the. I mean, I get they're they're archetype characters. You yes, know? They, they're. I actually did notice how little. Uh, again, it's tough to talk. Okay, breaking the rule again. Uh, there's so little of what we know about the Force. What the Force can do, uh, all of this stuff—you don't get that till Empire Strikes Back. It's so like the only thing Jedi's can do in this movie is do the hand wave thing. You know, there's no for- there's no Force jumping, there's no you know power pulls or whatever the shit it's called. Uh, um, all that stuff is a later addition, and yep. so what you're dealing with is a lot more uh, sweeping archetypes. Yes. It's it's it stands in a like sort of direct contrast to Empire, which, in my opinion, sort of becomes a movie at that point. But it's it's funny. I thought we'd go through the uh, the characters, and we'll start off with kind of a simple one. I haven't watched this one in a while, and it's amazing to me that the uh, how important the droids are in a new hope. Oh, yeah. They drive everything that happens in this movie. R two D two, I think you could argue, is the hero of the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's he's like the only one that's getting any shit done. <laughs> um, everyone else is like they're the only strand that connects everything. And um, I see in R two D two especially um, Lucas's love of this tone that he sort of screws up later, but it's sort of half deathly serious, half goofball comedy. Mm-hmm. The droids are like, all the droids are very goofy. Like, there's a scene where Vader, there's a Vader, he yells at like a little vacuuming droid and just like squeals and runs away. 
Um, there's a lot of stuff like that. So, what do you guys think? Of, we'll start with Dave. What do you think of the uh, the droids in this movie? Well, I think the droid. I think the story, in at least in the first one, is told through the eyes of the droids. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire story. Uh, Anthony Daniels does an absolutely perfect job, and you're right to point out that he is funny. Like the comedy in it actually still works when you watch it. Um, and yeah, and then there's R2D2, who's so interesting because he only speaks through Anthony Daniels. Otherwise, you never understand what he's saying. And yeah, he's um, and who R2D2 had my wife squealing in delight like every, every time. Right, uh, they find this moment here. I phrasing. <laughs> well, he's got those little probes. The um. I, my one of my I, I don't know why it tickles me funny like it's good comedy just when RCD2 puts out the fire that's on the William Falcon and just sprays it with a fire extinguisher it's like well that's touching and adorable Jim what'd you think of the droids yeah so this is something that you know hardcore Star Wars fans probably know is that Lucas explicitly structured uh, or borrowed that structure of starting out with the two in quote unquote insignificant characters being the center of the narrative by borrowing that from Akira Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress and that was his main you know among other samurai influences he took that and uh and used it so he does absolutely love that um but I do think that the droids have it you know their reactions center around like human reactions and that's why they're funny and interesting they're not just there to do that right they're so you know you can get like you say, you know, a lot of these characters aren't exactly the deepest characters you've ever seen, but they do have a lot of, you know, human reactions and interaction among each other's, and that definitely includes the droids. Yeah, yeah. I noticed for the first time how C-3PO and R2-D2, or I should say R2-D2, is in an abusive relationship with C-3PO, because yes. he is a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. Although he there's a some total th- dickhead. Hey, yeah. you know, they, it's, 3PO gets his shots back, because, you know, he... No, no, I'm saying 3PO is the asshole. I feel like R2, I, at first I was like, oh, R2's kind of, he's just doing his thing. But then later on, when uh, Uncle Owen buys 3PO, and he sees that he's also buying an R2 droid. <laughs> He's not like, oh, maybe this guy. He's just like, oh, I guess yeah, I'll he, see you later. He does know? not chime in. And he's, yeah, I mean, yeah. I know I guess it's what he's supposed to do, but when he's asking him all this stuff, he's like, no, I would be perfect for you. You should totally buy just me. I noticed right. that, too. Like, uh, you know, any action-adventure movie is going to have a lot of those just-in-the-nick-of-time coincidences. Mm-hmm. But if you think of all of them uh, in the original trilogy... The fact that that stupid little red astromech droid blows up is probably the most... Because <laughs> yeah. coinc- without... I mean, 3PO was turning his back. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> That dude was walking away. That, that, that red droid is the real hero, not yeah. R2-D2. Yeah. He, he, he sacrificed he, himself. His poor he used construction the saved to explode his galaxy. Head. It's, um, also, is, uh, do we think Kenny Baker got stunt pay for that shot where R2 tips over after it gets blasted by the Jawas? <laughs> or do you think... Hopefully he wasn't in there, right? Who knows? Probably not. It's a... Um, my understanding yeah. is that Kenny Baker was inside the R2 droid mm-hmm. very, very sparsely. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. I can't. Well, and Anthony Daniels was inside the C-3PO costume the whole time and hated it because dying. his arms could not come down. Yeah. I guess he never thought he'd be doing that for 40 years, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's a quick paycheck. It just turns into something else. Yeah, I like the droid. I think... Um, so like you're talking about the the droids are the only two characters in this one who feel like they actually have personalities to themselves, which I think is funny. Yeah, uh, and it, you spend a lot of time with them. Well, I think I think I think some of that, you know, is because they are the the two main characters, and so their interaction with all the other characters is based purely on 
um, you know, the point at which they enter the story, sort of. Like, you don't really get, you don't get a lot of backstory for anybody else, but you don't really need it, you know? I mean, the, the, you're saying that there's not a lot of, ca- I think, I think there's plenty of characterization for all the characters. I just think there's not the same level of backstory that you would get. You know? Right. And, but I think it's a problem just because the story is claiming that there's a lot of backstory. And okay. Just well, in, in, okay. Let me pose a question. Let's jump forward a little bit. Do you think, so we, as, as we were talking before, we all watched the special edition versions, right? Yes. Right. I, yes. I, yeah. Um, the only version you can get at this point, really, except for your laser disc. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you think that the extra scene with Jabba the Hutt adds anything to Han Solo's character? See, I needed to talk because I don't remember what is what was was that scene at all in the yeah. original. So originally in seventy seven, they filmed a scene with a short Scottish human Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. Um, who is who is supposed to just be a human sort of guy? Yeah, yeah. just a human. But guy. it was all planned from the beginning. The hut wasn't uh, a species at the time; it was some sort of title that he had. And um, they cut the scene out of the theatrical release and they placed it back in for the special edition re-release. But they computer edited the man out and they put in a like half scale job of the hut in, and it just it doesn't work at all. And it's a dumb scene anyway. It's a scene that should have been cut. Well, that's what I mean. It's it's uh, theoretically you could say, oh well, this scene adds more to Han Solo's character because you're getting more of his motivation. But I, uh, as Jim said to me earlier, we were kind of talking about it on the way here. That is completely redundant because you get everything from the Greedo scene, which already happened. Yes. Know? Well, I, I think you're picking the one example. I think I could argue because I think Han is the most developed of the other. Char- He's the only one who really undergoes a character transformation. And it's it's sort of killed by the Greedo thing. Like the, I don't really care about the changes that Lucas did. Like I'm not that invested in the franchise. Like the scene might be stupid. You don't and have two eyes and a heart, Wes. <laughs> the CG sticks out like a sore thumb. Like every time it happens, you're like, oh, they added that scene. Oh, they added that scene. But um, the Greedo thing is the only thing that is stupid to me because it negates the Han Solo character arc that he kind of sort of has. Like him yeah. murdering Greedo. Makes him, you know, the cold rogue at the start, oh, yeah. which makes his redemption make sort of sense at the end. If you just have him dodge and then shoot second, it's like nothing has really changed with this character at all. And, That's it, makes, only... and it makes Greedo the worst bounty hunter in the entire universe. Terrible yes. shot. Terrible <laughs> shot. He was sitting too still. <laughs> well, the worst part I'm about that... Solo. The worst part about that scene is like... They, like even the guys who are doing that couldn't justify it. That's why they have that, like, you know, Hans got his arm up and, and whatnot, and they computer animate his head ticking to the side a little bit as he fires. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah, it, the, it's painful. It's the only, like... He does the stuff a little that they at the very head thing. And, <laughs> the thing, the thing that I found... Okay, I was thinking about the stuff that they changed when I was watching it, and, you know, the... I actually don't mind a lot of the exterior extra shots of Mos Eisley because it's nice to kind of get a little bit more of that world. Yep, sure. But like adding floating droids and shit and that's and those all those extra- stormtroopers on the, uh, we, the we've dinosaurs. got we've got uh, yeah we've got these dinosaur models. We may as well put them in every shot for some reason and have them walk in front of the. I don't know, but and it screws up the shot too. Like oh, it, yeah. it makes the shot look like garbage because at yeah. least in the original it's just like guys on a sort of blank canvas. Like it's just a desert and it looks kind of cool. Now he's like cluttering it up with all this shit in the background, and it's just like I don't need any of this. Yeah, and I, you know, it's I don't mind. Like I said, I don't mind the the exterior stuff as much, but 
there are a lot of those changes where it feels like even as they were doing them, they could not justify that. Like that Han Solo scene, it's like, well, we have the scene. We have to put, if we're going to put it in, we have to make Jabba the Hutt actually Jabba the Hutt. But Han Solo walks behind him. And they uh, linger out. They didn't have to put it problem? in. So there's another deleted scene that fans will know from A New Hope. And it's the Luke Skywalker goes and he meets Big's Darklighter before Biggs leaves Tatooine for the Academy. Right. And they never put that in. And that's arguably a much better scene. It better develops Luke's character. It explains why Luke knows this other rebel pilot. But they, they kept that one out. You know, I had... Um yeah, the, the other funny thing about the job is it allows the uh, the end of the scene allows the camera to linger on Boba Fett as they sort of like, yep. oh, here uh-huh. you go, guys. Look, yeah. who, look you know right. who that with, is. With so, a little musical ditty, yeah. too, so you know. <laughs> oh, there he is, guys. Uh, maybe, maybe this is going way off, but do, uh, do you, any of you guys remember when those remastered, the special edition versions came out? Uh, seventh grade for me, so 97. 97, okay. 20 years so, later. my theory is that all of that stuff was just a dry run for Phantom Menace. I feel like they were doing that stuff to kind of get ready. Build hype. What What's that? Are you talking about story-wise or just to build the hype? Uh, to show that they could do it, like, technically. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, oh, they did CGI okay. Jabba the Hutt, so they would... They, they added that stuff in to show that they could do it as a test for themselves when they started to, to, to work on Phantom Menace. You know what I mean? So they're getting things geared back up. Lucas wants to do all this CGI shit. So we may as well put it into, the, you know, some, something like that. That's my theory. He, like, right? made it's, it as a demo reel, and they're like, yeah, let's put this in the uh, in the <laughs> yeah. original series. We'll sell it. And it's like, yeah. oh. I, th- I think that's possible to the extent that he, the way that it was phrased at the time of the special editions was, you know, the technology is finally caught right. up to yeah. my original vision. Yeah. Right. Which would imply, oh, well, now we can make even more movies. It's too, yeah, it's too bad because the models look cool. You know, like all the, uh, the like the like the, the makeup and everything looks uh, holds up pretty well. It's just it's weird when it's just jarringly stuck, yeah. stuck right. against something. Some early CG. Some uh, Corolla. I think it's Corolla. Makes the joke about like CG is kind of like um, plastic surgery. Like when people started getting plastic surgery, you'd be like, oh my god, like look at that person. Yeah. But now it's gotten to a point where you're like, oh, I, I didn't. I couldn't tell you had surgery. Like CG's now sort of at that. They know what they can do and what they can't do yeah. to make it look realistic. And apparently, you can't just stick a CG person next to a light, like a real actor, in like shot on film and have it look good. Unfortunately, it took many, many hours of <laughs> awful plastic surgery to figure that out. It did. So back to the characterization I thing. I, I'm I'm curious. Where would you prefer it go? Like what? I, well, here's the the thing. Like, I I am shocked in A New Hope. Luke is talked up. Great pilot. Awesome pilot. Third act, he somehow becomes a rebel pilot for no particular reason. He's just a pilot. Why are you not introduced to his character through some kind of piloting thing? You mean like some sort of, I don't know, pod-based racing sequence? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to do a pod race. You could have him flying a ship or something instead of collecting water humidifiers, what the fuck he does as a job. Like, I understand that's what he does, but it's weird to me that he's talked up, great pilot, great pilot, Skywalker, great pilot, becomes a pilot. You never see him pilot before any of that. Isn't that weird? Yeah, Isn't that that's kind of yeah, a weird yeah, film I mean, thing? Kind of. I, I don't know. What, what do you think, Jim? I I mean, I see upon rewatching it, I see a new hope, particularly as a really tight action adventure movie in the sense of like that 
genre, which I don't, you know, after Star Wars and other movies, it's gotten really diffuse. So I don't know if that genre really exists in that way. Mm -hmm. But uh, to me, I think they're they're much more interested in that, uh, you know, hero from humble origins thing, and not, you know, the the like sword fighter who you open the movie with him training hard and you know getting ready and then he finally ha- you know he's a, the guy you least expect yeah um and it's you know obviously all the hero's journey stuff and yada yada but i think that's more the the point yeah i i think that this could easily have suffered so there there's a trend with a lot of uh, uh characters modern characters uh that I, I tend to refer to as uh, special move syndrome, where uh, early in the early in the movie you will they will do one thing that is like oh that's really interesting that they can do that and then it turns out like at the end of the movie that they're going to have to use that it's like a Chekhov's gun kind of thing it's like you know that, that's more what I'm trying to say yeah. yeah to show that he you know to prove that he has it in him the point is he's gradually unlocked yeah I would I would be if I was going to really break that apart, I would be more satisfied if there was more of a um, hesitancy on his part to fly the X-Wing at the end. If he was like, oh, it, you know, if there's yeah, a part... Yeah, I'd, the, I'd buy that as if well. If there's a part where they bring him to the X-Wing, he's like, alright, this is what you're going to be flying. He's like, oh shit, I don't know if I can fly that. You know? Like, if that would... I would be better with that than if it would, like, opened up with him... Piling you know, around. Shooting Womp Rats in his I mean, T-13. Yeah, I mean, realistically, he gets in that X-Wing, and he flies it right into the wall, right? Yeah. Pyramid, and that's, <laughs> that's the end, and they're like, well, yeah, all, all, all the other guys today, fly guys. out, and he just goes, meow. Yeah. See, I, but I think that's my, like, they don't have those scenes. There's nothing that really shows anything outside of Han, and the droids are kind of the same. The droids are pretty well sketched, too. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean... I also don't feel that becoming a Jedi in this movie is anything special. You know, like you were talking, you don't that's, really know what the Force yeah, does. Yeah, that's so it's the like, other thing that I noticed too is that the Jedi thing is is so I don't want to say first draft, but it feels it feels pointless. It feels no, like it's just it's not there. point. Yeah, it's it's like like I said, you don't get the majesty of it until the next movie. Well, there's and, no reason to have the the lightsaber has no reason to exist other than it looks cool, kind of like you know they, they don't really. Well, it's an elegant weapon for more elegant times. <laughs> they don't really do anything. Like they have the Vader. An Obi Wan fight, which mm-hmm. is real horrible <laughs> at this point, but it's um, it's a poorly choreographed fight. Yeah. Well, it's a crippled man fighting a robot. So. <laughs> it's two old men with their walking canes, yeah. so like no, 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 no. And I love, I love when it, all the stormtroopers gather around, and it's supposed to be like, oh my god, look, it's two Jedi's, and they're probably just like, look at these fuck, what the fuck are these guys doing? <laughs> this movie's not getting, this is not getting released. What the hell? is Should this? we call a nurse or? But I feel like in the uh, like. I feel like the lightsaber should not just be something that you give to someone and don't even explain how to turn it on. Like, Luke just... You know, it's like in the blade shoot. It does only have one button, so... (laughs) I know, but Obi-Wan doesn't be like, oh, don't fucking point that at something when you turn it on because the sword is going to shoot out of it. He just gives it to him and Luke turns it on. And it's like, oh, there. But I I feel like the Jedi Knight aspect is like... It sounds bigger than it is in this movie. Well, in New Hope, there is no... So, part of the, the big story arc in the following two movies is Luke becoming a Jedi. And in New Hope, it never makes the distinction. You don't become a Jedi. There's mm. no training for it. It's not like a black and white difference. He's a Jedi or he's not a Jedi. Right. Yep. It never brings that up. It never explains what a Jedi really was. Right, which makes it seem... like I guess my, my thing here is Star Wars... The, 
it's established in this movie. This is like big. There's like a lot of stuff going on. In oh this, yeah, in this, this universe, there's you know, a lot of stuff happening. They don't touch on anything, and I feel they went. They chose both paths instead of picking the smaller character adventure or the big sci-fi epic where you don't need to characterization. Because I understand it's probably a budget thing. The Empire feels very small, and especially when you watch Empire Strikes Back right after this. Oh yeah, there's like one ship apparently in the Empire. Vader seems to just be a guy who can choke people um, and he takes orders from an old man and the emperor is mentioned but he what is he he just dissolves the senate there's a lot of senate dissolution in these movies right I actually like that New Hope has politics in it which the other two movies fail to have trade embargo (laughs) (laughs) no yeah and I like that like they're hinting that there's a lot of stuff going on Mm -hmm. it's just they they don't really he seems Lucas seems like he wants to just tell you all this shit there's not enough time in this movie See, but I think rightly or wrongly, you're bringing in the perspective that comes after yeah. six movies, 30, 40, whatever years of lore. Because if you imagine seeing New Hope burst on the scene, and I mean, I think one of the virtues of the movies, they don't explain anything. Yeah. They just go, you know, mm-hmm. and you just see there are these giant spaceships, they are here. Guys storm in, they're these crazy you know, new soldiers you've never seen before. And and everything not being fleshed out, I still think on first view, you would still find it almost, like, confusingly original because there's so uh, much stuff you're not exposed to that's not being explained. Yeah, and, and the point of A New Hope, I mean, like, the story of A New Hope is not, let's talk about the Jedi Knights. The story of A New Hope is blowing up the Death Star and becoming Luke becoming the hero. Yep. You know, the... Yeah, and I think you're right, Jim. I think a lot of that stuff comes later with the weight that they put on it. And, but yeah, I, I was after I watched it last night. I was talking to a friend of mine. I was like, as I said earlier, I was like, yeah, it, it feels so stiff. Like even the X-wing fight when they're when they're bombing into the to the Death Star at the end. Yeah, I want to talk a lot about this. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> okay, well, I'll just I'll just touch on it briefly. Yes, it's yes. like it's like very it's very uh, uh, boring. There's <laughs> like, a what? stretch. No, there's a stretch of that sequence. Where there's no music, apparently everybody's gotten blown up, and they're just kind of like cruising. And it seems weird, but the point I was getting at is, it feels stiff, and uh, my friend was like, well, you know, it's just a product of the, t- the the time, and I was like, I guess, but then I was thinking about it, and it's like, th- it's, it's not because this movie doesn't exist before. Like, there's no other movie like this before right. it comes out. Right. And, and just to wrap up the Force thing, in, in Just the New Hope, I mean, I think... <clears throat> It justifies itself enough in the sense that, you know, it's portrayed as this sort of calming, mystical energy that can be used to help improve, you know, the stuff you're doing. Yeah. And, it's environmentalism, man. And, I mean, it's, you know, it's a bunch of mystical. Anyways, so, you know, its role as far as, like, making you accurate enough to blow up the Death Star, that's kind of what it's for in the first movie. Yeah. Did they mention the dark side? In New Hope? Uh, yes. They do? I think they, yeah, yes, I think Vader. Do. Vader. Uh, he brings it up. When taunting moths. Oh, Obi-Wan might mention it. Vader <laughs> fell to the dark side. <laughs> that's taunting moths, he says. That's a great band name. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> taunting moths every day. So let's, uh, we've gone through the characterization thing. No, wait a minute. I don't think they do mention the dark side. They do. It's Obi-Wan doesn't mention insignificant Anakin fell. the dark side of the force. Oh, that's right. He does um, say it. You're Obi- right. I don't remember exactly if Obi-Wan uses the dark side but he says something no yeah like he turned and murdered your father this is the best line in the whole movie which is i find your lack of faith disturbing yeah 
But then I don't I don't think he says dark side. Yeah, he said Oh, maybe he does say insignificant to the power of the force. Yeah, he doesn't actually say dark side. I don't side. think there's ever a distinction yeah. made between <laughs> the light and the dark side. Yeah. Well, we'll have That's to someone leave a comment. If if they don't, it's an interesting addition that they did. Um Before we move on from characters, sure. I would like to mention I never realized how completely manipulative Obi Wan Kenobi is in this movie. Yeah, and imagine like, he like first of all I thought the same thing. So yeah. here's one thing where I will give you where the char- again, I don't think it matters that much. But it's like it's like a Back to the Future kind of setup where, uh, you know, Marty McFly is friends with Doc Brown, but you never, over the course of three movies, find out why they are friends or how they met or whatever. So with that, that's why I found it was interesting where Ben Kenobi is known to Luke, and Ben knows Luke, and Luke knows Ben. They're not like buddies, but they're kind of aware of each other. Yeah. And then that first scene where he gives him the lightsaber. He's just like, so yeah, you should probably just come to Alderaan. <laughs> it's a little creepy. <laughs> and then, and then he, then he's like, no, I, I can't do that. And he goes back home, and his parents are, his uncle and aunt are dead. And then he comes back, he's like, guess we should probably just go to Alderaan. Then <laughs> we're gonna have to sell your car because I don't have any money to get there. <laughs> like. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, talk to this guy in the alley. <laughs> There's no point where Luke is like, what have I just gotten myself into? No. You know? Yeah. There's, there's no time for that. And th- there's stuff later. I can't, I can't remember. I should have written it down. But uh, there's a few instances later of, of Obi-Wan, you know, it, 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 it has an air of uh, uh, abusing Luke's naivete a little bit where he's like well you've got to you've got to learn how to become a Jedi Knight just like your dad and he's like fuck yeah <laughs> and you know like it's you're just saying this to this kid and you're taking him off planet I mean obviously he knows who this kid is and stuff but it's just it feels really weird in the in the body of the first movie not knowing what we know now about yes. everything yeah. you know no, see I actually think both ways it's good and manipulative <laughs> in the way you said because I was thinking even with the body of what you come to find out then the whole thing becomes some sort of like you know, replay like I'll show them this time. I'll get this one right. Yeah, you yeah. Know, but, like, and also knowing everything about all the movies, Obi Wan's been thinking about this for a long time. And that's a very clunky way of <laughs> like he's just like, oh yeah, there's a lightsaber. Your father fucking kills. Yeah, my, like uh, what was Vader. what was the plan there? Was like he ever going to do that in a you know? Is he going to show up at at Uncle Owen's place and be like, hey, Merry Christmas, Luke. This is from your dad. Or was he just hoping they would cross yeah, paths? Yeah, or? they'd come along. It's it's not particularly clear. I, I don't mind the. Uh, imagine if Alec Guinness had given a fuck about this role. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's bad. In it. I no, mean, he's, he's good. He's good. You know, he, he's, uh, Alec Guinness reading the phone book would be watchable. But no, he's. Uh, I I like his performance, even when he's just in the second act, where he's just kind of like sneaking <laughs> on the Death Star. Um, but let's get into the act breakdown. Everyone's favorite act. What is it? You have the. I, I broke uh, him down. The first act the, is Tatooine. Where they. Second act's the Death Star. Oh, I was going to say, like, and the, third the guy spins plates, <laughs> yeah. or they have the dogs, that, but you mean in the movie. But in the ju- mo- and just to comment on that, I mean, I think, because for me, the movie is just incredibly tight. Like, it just goes one mm-hmm. thing to the next to the next, and the act breaks are very defined. Yes. Th- this is a episodic movie that does nothing to explain the the shifts between the stuff that goes on. Like, they, they end up in these situations, like... It feels like you just wrote down. They're on the desert planet. They're on the ba- they're on the Death Star. Then there's a final space fight. Those are the three things that I want in this. Good place and they to just, start. They just kind of like went through them. I um, 
I like the first act, I think, is the strongest of the movies. Um, the weakest might be the Death Star stuff. So let's talk about the Death Star scenes. Are you talking about escape or the destruction? When of the Death they're Star? on it for a long time. Okay. When the, the trash compactor scene and everything like that. I feel they're on it for a, a little bit too long. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you there because yeah. I like I said I hadn't watched this movie in a long time, like sat down and watched. I've put it on in the background doing stuff all the time, and I actually found myself. I don't know if it was a matter of what the reason I was watching it or what, but I just I found myself getting bored, and I think it was because usually when we do these things, Wes, yep. you know, I I, I have. I can sit down and I can watch it analytically and, you know, I'm, I can break it down or, or try to or there's something angle I'm trying to go at. But I'm watching this. I'm like, I don't I don't know what to – I know this movie so well that I don't know how to sit down and watch it analytically. And that part in the middle is where I was really starting to lose it. Um, just because, yeah, I think I think it's a little, a, a little bit lots of running around. Yeah, it's, and it's stuff. a lot. It's and a lot of running around. Um, I never realized how again stiff is the only word I can think of. Uh, the detention level gun battle is because <laughs> yeah. I was th- I was thinking about it. You know, when they're they're standing, they're in the hallway and they're shooting back and forth, and they're cutting back and forth to to them yelling at each other. And I'm like, something feels really stiff, like stagnant about this. And I realized it's because they, it's I I've watched too much modern stuff where they shoot that stuff. The same content, but now they shake the camera. Yeah, yeah. So it's like hard setup, cut to hard setup, and it just feels like two people going. <laughs> I just, I just feel like we got to get out of here. I can only <laughs> picture it without the special effects. It's just an actor wildly waving a gun. I've seen that footage. It, it is ridiculous. <laughs> like, it, it, it is, so it is just them, and they kind of even wave the guns extra because it makes so little sense. Yeah, just they, like, you have to sell it. Yeah, they just, they're just like wildly shooting at each other. Um, I like the introduction of Leia. Like, I think, I, I like I think the Leia. Of Leia in this. I love her character. I never really, again, a lot of stuff I didn't pay attention to originally, but I never realized how like fairly proactive and like she's not just a damsel in distress. No, she's character. not just a princess, even yeah. though that's her what they call her. All yeah. The time. yeah, I'm not going to disagree that the Death Star stuff does feel long, especially mm. on the trillionth viewing um but it is i mean if you consider that like your goals in an action movie are like okay you know they're all MacGuffins, they're all like you know we need to do this we need to do that right um so you know if you consider like okay you encounter a space station all right we're gonna we need to get on there we that's no moon infiltrate we need to get the princess we need to get her out of there with the exception of the trash compactor scene which i do have a bit of a grudge against uh it's you know, Mark Hamill screaming C-3PO, 3PO, 3PO! You know, aside from that, it's actually pretty tight. Yeah. Um, it may not be the most exciting thing in a modern context, but yeah. if you need those building blocks to happen, it does it pretty See, tightly. I, I, yeah, I feel people say that Star Wars is older than it. it like, when did Jaws come out? 77. 75. Yeah, I mean, the, 75? I, yeah. I feel I, I should expect modern pacing. At this this point, well, like this I don't is, know. I don't think Jaws has modern pacing. Yeah, no, I think Jaws whole like carries itself better than New Hope does, certainly. Well, just in terms of like a, a, a rising action type thing, like it's a a New Hope to me just sort of feels very 
like the, the pieces are just one after another and they all kind of feel a little bit long they go on for a little bit and i think it's because lucas is really interested in like the set design that he's done like he, he shoots a lot of this stuff there's a lot of shots of like droids and stuff doing things um See, I have to actually have to disagree with that. Like, I and even bringing in some of the, you know, you got to bring in the prequels by by contrast, just because the prequels there they do need to show off and spend time on the effect sequence. Where I feel like in Star Wars they're almost racing to, you know, just get as much as you need and then move on. I mean, mm-hmm. it, in any given scene, you could, or most of them. You know, you could actually argue for them going on quite a bit longer. You know, some of the stuff, any scene with Vader, you could argue. I mean, those scenes are short. Yeah, could go on for yeah I think he's, he's only in the movie for like nine minutes. So he only has yeah. like nine minutes of screen time or something, which, again, I think just speaks to my role. He's just kind of a cool character that they made up at this point. And he yeah. doesn't really have any story importance. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting now that I was just thinking about looking back on it. He is more of like... Um, like a number two in this movie he's more like he's the soldier that goes in and fu- he's b- the bane you know he's like the eh, he's not really bane. pulling the he's, strings he's more of like a he's more of almost like a james bond villain where you've got if grand moff tarkin is your blofeld then vader is jaws basically sure. yeah you know? yeah right yeah. Um, the enforcer yeah which is well you know <laughs> if jaws was way cooler than blofeld um but really there's no character that gets extended treatment or extended sequence minus some of the setup stuff in Tatooine mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning where they do just kind of sit around and talk with Luke for a while. Yeah, that's... I, I, that. Uh, oh, by the way, we the didn't touch on this. Scene. Uncle Owen is the worst at keeping secrets. Yes. Well, his wife's no good either when she says things. She's like, oh, no, I can't believe he said it. Well, no. I mean, when when, he come, when Luke comes he's in... He's got too much like, of his father in him. No, well, before that, when Luke's like, man, he, he said the story belongs to this guy named Obi-Wan Kenobi. You think he could mean Ben Kenobi? He's like, no, Obi-Wan Kenobi's a Jedi Knight who fought with your father in the Clone Wars. He's been dead for a long time. Shit. Like, he gives him a lot of information. He could have just said, yeah, I don't know what that means. Well, just in general of, like, hey, you know, I know a lot of Kenobis out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obi-Wan, Ben, I don't know. Just I mean, on Tatooine. You heard that Indian guy through. Patel down the street with a yeah. Kenobi? This is fucking Star Wars. So yeah, everyone's on, a Kenobi. Ta- on Tatooine, Kenobi's like Smith. Yeah, they're all Kenobis here. <laughs> Obi-Wan to Ben. Why did he pick Ben? Is that or ever why explained? didn't he pick, like, Ben Smith Obi instead too. of Ben Kenobi? <laughs> I know. Deep in hiding, but again, 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 not fair because we're putting all the stuff that didn't happen yet onto the choices that they made for characters in the first. No, and I I really have no problem with all that uh, Obi Wan stuff and the um, the way it comes out and everything. I mean, the Death Star. My 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 biggest problem with the the first Death Star sequence is the Obi Wan Kenobi stuff because him sneaking around. Yeah. the fact that he's, they send him sneaking around, the fact that he knows where the, the force field thing on the death, fucking Death Star is, <laughs> the fact that it's like, it's like a video game, it's like a video game puzzle level where he's gotta like jump onto this thing that's suspended in midair, go onto the side of it and then click this lever, like how the hell is he gonna know that? Or you know why isn't why can't they do that from one of those control rooms that they're in? They've been making tractor beams the same way for years. <laughs> it's all the same. There's one company that makes tractor beams. It's a lot of. Open I'm surprised. Space. I'm surprised they don't tie that loose thread up in the prequels. Where, I know. Where you and McGregor's like, oh, so this is how tractor beams work. <laughs> I <laughs> honestly only because they forgot. They totally would have done that. <laughs> 
So yeah, it's the Terminator Two when they meet Dyson or whatever, and he's just like, "This yeah. is the uh, the lever I've been working on. In the future, you'll you'll activate the tractor beam by turning this thing up and down." But yeah, that stuff. That's the only stuff that I feel like is like the stuff with bringing Chewie up to the detention level is great. Um, you know, I, I said it feels stiff, but that ex- the escape from the detention level is great. The you know, Han Solo uh, trying to talk down the guards. Oh, that's, who are, that's a that's I, the best thing. I, I like that. That's yeah. that's fun too. Um, it's that. It was another example of the, I think Lucas was better at his comedy at this point. It, it mm-hmm. didn't seem as silly um, for some reason. It felt like it fit better yeah. than anything. But yeah, it just it. You start to get the little bickering between yep. Solo and. Uh, although another thing I wanted to mention, I noticed there was a lack of quality control in the assistant directors or whatever. Everyone pronounces things differently. Yeah, they call him Han and Han. Leah right. and Leia yeah. and Alderan and Alderon, and they do it like in the same scene. They just go like start switching off. And it's well, like, it's just the, the different quadrants of the Empire. That's from, <laughs> Alpha, know. Beta, Gamma, yes. Gamma. So the classic nerd rebuttal to that is that you know that is the way things are in real life. There's no script supervisor telling you how things are. So therefore, Lucas or somebody was like, "No, we won't tell you exactly how to pronounce it." Everyone would have. Well, I feel if way. someone came up to me and was like, "Hey, Weiss," I was like, "Yeah, I'll roll with this." <laughs> like, that's, that's good. Listen, Call me Weiss. As someone, as someone who, <laughs> as someone who once had their name mispronounced upon first meeting and then continued the rest of the evening with that name on purpose, I can tell you it's very easy to roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> She's a princess, goddammit. He's Grand Moff Tarkin, or no? He's the. Uh, the other guy, I can't remember, the general of the rebellion or whatever, like the scientist who's explaining the plan. Oh, he's yeah. The one that Who I think it. might be, sounds like he might be a multiple, his voice sounds like he's like voices two or three people in that movie. But. His name's oh, Jan Dadana. Jan Dadana. Jan Dadana. Either one, it doesn't matter. He also he strongly believes in the force. So uh, let's, let's, well, uh, I just wanted to, just to, to wrap up on Obi-Wan before we move on. Um, I don't, I don't know what else you would do with him, though, because I mean, like, he, his, the role of his, that he plays in that Death Star sequence is to fight Vader and die. Right. Yep. So I don't know how you get to that point without having him, you know, go off and do something by himself. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you have him do other than. Yeah, there's I, a lot of hate for the Death Star sequence. I actually, you started this by asking what our favorite act is, and then talking about your least favorite act. But my least favorite act is the beginning. I, I yeah. actually, I think that from the time that the escape pod leaves, stupidly leaves the uh, the Carillion Corvette, and they don't fire upon it, all the way until they go to Moss Eisley, I think the movie is pretty slow. Mm. It doesn't have a lot to pull you in. It's It's got to explain Luke's backstory, but it doesn't. there's not a lot to it. Whereas I like the Death Star stuff. In terms of an action sequence, it's fun to watch, and then there's the twist at the end that they let them go. And I really want to know, what's your beef, Jim, with the with the trash compactor. Yeah, so I, I agree. I do like the Death Star scene. I'm not... I don't want to be trashing Oh, don't get me Death wrong. Star I don't sequence. not like it. It's just um, that the Obi-Wan thing is always kind of... It's sure. Weird it's movie. the worst scene I've ever seen. I <laughs> Any scene from Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, I just think that... Um, and again, I'm sure it was, you know, great at the time and all that. But for me, on the trillionth viewing, the trash compactor is one where the minute they plop in there, I'm just like... Okay, maybe I'll uh, you know fill refill the coffee now, or just because it's you know just your classic like inch by inch fabricated suspense. It whereas I do view the rest of the movie as incredibly tight, brick on brick. That's the one scene that actually stands out as it's just there to have one of those um, suspense sequences. Sure, but upon this viewing, I did. The one justification I saw 
uh, for it was it is actually the only scene, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, maybe through even until like Jabba's Palace, where you have your three main good guy protagonists like actually enduring hardship together and interacting. And like actually, yeah. um, if you don't have that scene, they barely even know each other for the rest of the trilogy. I, I, like, I don't want to overstate its importance, but at the same time, it is weird to think about how little time yeah, the movie, they spend together, yeah. even for the rest of the yeah. trilogy. The movie does a lot of their characters are getting to know each other in between the movies. There's oh, yeah. a lot of like, yes. now we're now we're coming into the new point where everyone is more friendly with each other. It's presumed. But uh, I mean, yeah, it's not, not good drama to have your characters in the same spot, I guess. But it, it is nice to, because you, through the first two, it is rare to see them all in the same room, yeah. like talking to each other. And I, I would say it's also... Trying to, th- I'm trying to think back now. One of the things that I feel like makes that the movie so tight is that pretty much every scene moves the plot along in some form, except the trash compactor. Exactly. Scene. That's and I, that's I, whether you like their various goals or think it's too much of one goal or whatever. You know, every scene is a brick to get you to the, that next thing. Yeah, and I mean, they could have cut that out and just had them climb out of there and have right. the door not be locked. And you know, lose that whole bit, and you wouldn't lose anything really, except, except for what except you were for the yeah. fact. And I guess you could include, you know, the shoot up the Tie Fighters after as being together, but it's, you know, mm. maybe a little bonding goes on in that yeah. trash. Every, do you uh, love the trash compactor scene? I do. Yeah, yeah, I love the little monster in it. Like, <laughs> Every I, fantasy I really movie needs a uh, scene where people are in water with shit in the water. Yeah. Like that's a that is a fantasy trope that you. Well, must I mean, have. if you think about it, all three of the movies do have uh, underground or underwater monsters in them, so. Just the little hump. You just have yeah. a guy in a glove that just goes like that out of the water. Is it the only time in the movie where the droids are not incidental? Where they actually do something? Oh, I feel they're totally... I think they do uh, a lot. I mean... When? I mean, the entire first act is all... Part two getting be, to his you're, mission. Let's you're be telling, honest. Oh, that's, yeah, let's be honest. Luke mission. didn't lose, use the force to blow up the Death Star. Fucking R2 shot. It's, <laughs> it's probably true. That's his, uh, is, is, is the, uh, oh no, it's an Empire line. The, uh, no, I'll keep it on manual for a while. Yeah. You tell R2 is a little, little heavy handed taking over automatic controls from Luke at sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I just like the, I like the, the, it's the one, R2D2 does a lot of, um, the time, like plugging something in and timing, saving something. That's yeah. like his, his thing to do. <laughs> I love R2D2. Sticking his dick and stuff. <laughs> Blowing out some uh, fires. So let's talk about the Death Star fight. Dave, you must love the Death Star fight if you uh, you reacted badly when I said it was boring. Are uh, you talking about the end sequence? Yeah, the final third. So we'll get to that. Luke somehow becomes a pilot in the Rebellion. Um, so in the special edition, there's another scene that was deleted out of the theatrical release that I actually think is horrible, where Red Leader, before they get into their um, X-Wings, Biggs and Luke are talking to each other kind of catching up and Red Leader comes by and it's just so dry he says to him something along the lines of can this kid fly this thing and Biggs is like yeah he can and he's like alright great <laughs> see you up in space then well check that box alright <laughs> yeah, right. get it in yeah he can we established it in the piloting scene we shot at the start of the movie that Luke has cut uh, no it's um, yeah it's it, they just go in they have the the uh, sort of meeting that you always have where the guy with the scientist comes up and explains what's going on. He believes in the Force, which I thought was interesting. Yep. Uh, he says, may the Force be with you. Um, they have to shoot these things down a uh, tunnel, which Luke says is easier than shooting Womp Rats or something. He has that famous line. And my big thing with the 
There's two problems with the ending act. Can I just say one interesting yeah, yeah, little tidbit? Ahead, ahead. The original in the screenplay, the original guy who says uh, that it's impossible was supposed to be Wedge Antilles, but they when they were filming A New Hope, they actually had a couple different actors playing the character of Wedge, one in space and one on the ground. Oh. So it turns out that it's a different guy, but that was supposed to be Wedge that has those doubts. Really? He just yeah. got fired. They were like, you just sat there <laughs> <Yeah>. so poorly. <laughs> um, you said that terribly. We're going to use that, but get out. <laughs> Man, so many of the like peripheral actors in these movies are so bad. <laughs> like most, most of the Empire is made up of like I think the worst acting scene is the Luke with his adoptive parents. I don't think anyone in that scene is doing anything that's remotely. I, don't know. I think Uncle Owen's pretty good. You like him? Yeah. I think they're a little. I found them a little upset. And the uh, just a minor point. I, I found the um, the design of their interior to be very very aliens esque. Does, does that strike? I don't so know. I don't. I don't know if I was. I was thinking that, but I did feel like which for- interior. When they're in there, like, they have the fluorescent lighting in, their, like, their home, like that little igloo that they live in. Oh, that, yeah, that did actually kind of feel like the ship and Alien yeah. a little bit. Yeah. They're, like, their kitchen area, sort yeah. of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing I did notice is for as good as a lot of, like, so much of the design of this movie is, I feel like there are other parts where they just were, like, shooting in the corner of a garage or something. Like, um, I, I, as a kid had a lot of um, trouble spatially with a lot of stuff in this movie. Like, for instance, uh, I could never get... I still have trouble wrapping my head around what, like, the garage that Luke keeps the droids in actually looks like. Like, there's sort of like... Where he gives them the oil bath. Yeah, it's kind of like a corner, and it's got, like, a jacuzzi, and there's just, like, weird ship sort of sticking out of it. <laughs> and then later, you see that ship again, but it looks kind of like a cardboard box. And, it, like, it seems like a lot of the non-spaceship interior stuff didn't get a lot of love and is kind of spatially innocuous. Even even the canteen scene is kind of, like, it's really dark. Uh, it's Obviously, that's the way the place looks. But it's, I don't know, it's just... Well, you don't really get a good... You never get a good shot of it because everything in there is just close-ups of the aliens and then, like, a yeah. booth. Like, you're sitting in the booth and yeah. you, or you get a close-up of how weird the aliens are. It's, um... Yeah, you certainly... Well, he had his big set pieces, right? He needed to blow mm-hmm. his budget on those. He did that. Um, and then after that, you're really just finding junk to put together. Call it a droid, which yeah. I like. I like that aesthetic. I think it's cool, but it's um, it's obvious, I guess, at a certain point. Yeah, I think that was that was something that I really <coughs> did notice this time rewatching it, mm-hmm. is to the degree to which it registered as a low-budget movie. Yeah. And not in a dismissive way, but just in a few key areas that like more mirror low budget movies than big budget movies Mm -hmm. um because for what it was a huge space epic it was like 10 million dollars at the time and even though you know things don't translate exactly i mean it was decently low budget for what they were trying to do i definitely notice it in the lack of the empire like you don't see much empire at all and as far as like as like omnipresent as it's supposed to be you see the one ship and that's like oh there it is and they they do the awesome like it's such a direct contrast when they show in the opening of Empire it's that ship and a bigger ship is right above yeah. it and you're like oh like there's actually like oomph to what's going on here um, but I wanted to talk about yeah the, the the fight at the end my problem with the fight at the end there's two things Vader it ties into the Vader character being in a weird space where he is the one out in the the jet fight the TIE fighter seems weird to me um and I can only take so many ships being chased 
and getting shot at from behind for 15 minutes. And the sh- and the movie not telling me why this is happening endlessly. Why can't they just fly into the tunnel later on? You know, why do they have to drive down the tunnel for so long? I think that the idea is that the exhaust shaft is protected by the turbo laser batteries. So you have to get Enough into the of tunnel. them that you have to get into the tunnel from somewhere away from those turbo laser batteries, fly through the shaft, and then... And then drop your torpedoes. Okay, that makes sense. As uh, from a movie standpoint, it feels so repetitive. How many times do they do that? Do do it? They do it like four times before Luke. Four or is it? Well, they they get one shot away at the thing. Yeah, there's only one shot before Luke's. But there's another group right ahead of them that just get all shot down. Yeah. And Vader just does the same tactic. He just gets there. They go cover me. Guy goes okay. He gets shot, and then they shoot the other guy. It just I feel like it's um. It's probably a budget thing. They don't have enough budget to show an actual starfight. Like, there's nothing yeah. going on. I think, I think the budget comes in in the sense of, yeah, how many fighters there are. You know, it right. really stands out when the TIE fighters come in. Because you mm-hmm. can rationalize, well, hey, the Rebels only have this many ships with this many good pilots, whatever. Yep. But when you see out of this massive moon-style space station... Come six TIE fighters. Yeah. <laughs> like, arguably... the Launch the TIE fighters. How many? I don't know, like, ten. Wait, wait. Launch. How many pilots do we have? Five. <laughs> Fuck, Vader. Get Argu- Vader. <laughs> arguably, arguably, the Death Star should be, like... The Death Star should be, like, a third TIE fighters. Like, you have your living quarters up top, <laughs> yeah. and then the bottom third is just filled with TIE fighters. It should just be guns constantly blasting off the surface of the Death Star, right? So, so, so they like, have that. <laughs> that they have, but the idea is that the guns are too big, therefore, to, hit, to, to, to hit go after right, big yeah, yeah. ships. But yeah, the, like, sir, do we launch all six auxiliary fighters? <laughs> no. Save two. Save two, okay. Just in case. Okay. <laughs> it's, I just, I think that ending scene goes on for a, a very long time. Um, well, like I said, there's that weird lull in the middle where, like, the 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 ship to ship blowing up has stopped, and then it's just sort of like they're just sort of cruising around. Like the music has stopped, and then I I don't think the music comes in. You don't again. find that so tense though. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. When 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 it's basically down to like Luke and and two other fighters, and yeah. there's no music going on, and all you can hear is the noise that the X wing makes. It's just tense. I, I don't. I'm gonna say that I probably would. But again, I think it's I think it's one of those things that suffered from. I've seen the movie so many times. I, f- I feel they put the tension on the wrong thing. They're talking about how he has to shoot down this narrow hole, right? The tension is all about watching the distance from the hole as opposed to the shot. You know, he does the shot and it just goes right in. Which, the, which is another spatial thing I've never understood. But. The, the tension is like, looks like I'm getting close. And you go to that little like odometer thing that they have and it's counting down. There's no tension there. The tension should be... He should, like, miss the first shot or something. You know, like, to show how difficult it is. Well, I mean, the other guy misses. Yeah, I think the idea is they use up what you're talking about with the other pilots. Because they spend more time with the other pilots, like, cross-cutting between their targeting computers narrowing. And, you know, them getting blown up. So by the time they get to Luke, they don't want to start from zero again. See, yeah, I would have... I don't know. I feel... Yeah. It's weird to just not have Luke be sort of more responsible for what's going on. So if we tried to compare this to another dogfighting scene in any other movie, and there aren't a whole lot of extended dogfighting scenes in movies, but I don't think we could name... I couldn't name one that's more tense, that has more emotion and uh, intensity to it. Oh, you'd have to give me a minute, dogfighting. Mm. I mean, I think that the... I think they do a better job in every other Star Wars 
movie, except for the prequels, probably. I would disagree. I think that the space scene, the space battle in A New Hope is superior. to If you just took the space stuff from Return of the Jedi and do, don't include the Endor stuff or the Luke uh, in the throne room stuff, I think that the space battle in A New Hope is so much more interesting. You can actually follow it instead of... Instead of just letting the characters tell you what's happening, oh no, the the bridge is out. We're gonna get destroyed now. Like you can actually follow what's going on. It's just there's so much to it. What what I do actually really like about it that I think is 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 probably um, a result of the budget, but actually works in its favor. Is uh, well, okay. So one of the things they do in the special edition version is they add more more X wings. Which uh, I never had a problem with because it always, you know, it always like well these X, these long the long shots of the X wings didn't never look very good. Um, they, said they they added the one where they're flying at the Death Star, right? They're in like yeah. an armada. Yeah, so yeah, they, okay. they, they, they can they see Yavin yeah, in the back. Yeah, which I like that shot. I think it's a good shot. I think it, it adds to it. But what actually I think the low budget aspect adds to it is there are so few of them <clears throat> that you get. FaceTime with every pilot. There's a roll call. Like, uh, basically, wow, actually, you know, now that I'm thinking about this, Independence Day ripped the scene off a lot. Because they do the same thing in Independence Day and they do the same, like, twisted. No, that's from Empire. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, you get, like, a roll call of everybody on the attack force and you just, you, you don't just see most of their ships explode. You see them explode from the inside. You see the guys burning to death. Yeah, where they go, blah! And then, you know, he came from behind. <laughs> I, and I, I feel you could have cut the Death Star stuff in half, add a little bit more of the third act where you get to know these pilots, mm-hmm. and have that be a little bit nicer. That's not the way. That's just a, a post thing. It's not a huge deal. It's um, I mean the budget wise, I like the way it looks. I like the. Why it's a model the, why with do you a camera. Hate this movie so much. <laughs> Someone otherwise we'd just be sitting sucking each other's popsicles uh, <laughs> as we're talking about this movie. The um, I love the model work of the less fight like it's they built that little like death star surface and they sort of yeah, like throw yeah. the camera down it and it looks cool um i i do wonder how much of the design of that last thing was uh all right uh it's really really way cheaper if we just have to shoot these things from one angle behind or in front right so what if we just have them go down a trench where we don't really have a lot of right. camera movement? <laughs> in, in, in that uh you know facing down in the death star one of my i always thought was kind of laughable is when uh luke gets a nice trust your feelings luke and then that apparently means just hold down the triggers <laughs> pointed at the death star it's like damn you need a lot of help man if you that was uh what you took away from that <laughs> just trust your feelings okay Five, oh, fuck, not those, not, not also, those feelings. Yeah, it out. reminds me of Monty Python of the guy who just runs up to the castle and swings his sword. Out. <laughs> what, is, what is he doing? I also, now, I also always thought that um, uh, my, my favorite goofy part from that is when Vader comes out. And, you know, Vader is supposed to be, you know, the badass and whatnot. And he's flying the thing. He's like, I've locked on. And then the ship is, like, in the right corner. But the lasers start from the left corner and just go, choo 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 and then they hit the X-Wing, it's like, you should probably hit that at the first shot. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, and they, they reuse the same hitting the ship every single time. It's the ship on the bottom right gets shot, and it just crashes into the wall. It's, uh, it's, I just don't understand. It's, also, it's man, I didn't, now that I know that it was Wedge who was, uh, was supposed to be Wedge who is so dismissive, that guy is just like, why do they bring him along? 
He's the one who's like, you no, you can't hit that. That's impossible. And then later on, he's like, guys, my uh, cigarette lighter's broken. I'm, I'm going to go back to the base. I know, everyone else is sacrificing themselves, and he's just like, Oof. I'm getting kind of sweaty in here. <laughs> got some heartburn. <laughs> AC Pull, is up. down. AC is down. Coming home. It's going to be late soon. <laughs> that's that's all. That's uh, well, we, we've done an hour, so I think we'll wrap it up here on the New Hope. So, um, I'm just going to. You know, give a brief wrap up. What I love about this movie is um, the same reason we were talking about Battlefront earlier, the video game that just came out, that people like it, mostly because uh, the sound design and the way it looks are so unique. Like, there's nothing... uh, It's absurdly unique. The way, like, the lightsaber sounds, just the way it moves through the air is, like, the coolest sound effect I think you could possibly come up with. Um, I love the way it looks. I love the sort of dirty future um, Mm. aesthetic. It's kind of cool. The thing, uh, to kind of to kind of expand on that a little bit, I think this movie might get the most out of the work put into the peripheral stuff than any movie I've ever seen. So, like, the music is unbelievable. The sound effects are unbelievable. The set design is unbelievable. It's like they real like they got everybody together and really, like, <laughs> the, the actors were over here and George Lucas was like, listen, guys, you're the production crew. You're the post-production crew. You guys really got to step it up. I wanted to go... <laughs> yeah, I don't know how he managed to get... This is probably a whole other conversation, but I don't know how he how he managed to get Ben Burt and how... Uh, did, did he do anything before this? Like, how did this guy just show up and make these amazing this sounds? This was Ben Burt's thing. And I mean, that's what a lot of this was, is just like the sheer force of vision of yeah. getting the right people and... Uh, you know, having them really like hit the ground. Like Ben Burt was out like hitting things with hammers and breaking TV sets just to get these uh, sound effects. Yeah, because that le- attention to detail and level of effort is definitely not common. And like that last sequence uh, where they all get the medals—that is the goofiest fucking thing I've ever seen. Like I was watching that last night, and I was like, <laughs> "This scene's really goofy." It really is goofy, and I'm glad you brought it up. I thought yeah. we were going to finish the podcast without talking about it. Why do all the rebels? Obey Chewbacca's command too. What is he what, what Chewbacca is he growls and everybody turns. And <laughs> Chewbacca growls again and Everyone. everybody claps. Like what? What does he have going for him? But he's not important enough not to upstage because no, right. Han Solo just stands right in front of him, not next to he him. Doesn't politely. even get a medal. No, he doesn't even get a medal. They get tangled in his fur. But but like that, they shoot yeah. up the ranks real quickly. Like in a couple of weeks, he's going to be Commander Skywalker, and it's like, hey, this guy. Never went to the academy. Never did jack shit. Yeah, but like that first shot when they open the doors is amazing, and you know the blah 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 blah. blah that music comes in as they're walking down the things. Like this is the best thing ever. But then, like you think about it for a minute, they're at the end. They're standing there on the stairs with these medals, smiling like idiots for like a good thirty seconds before they cut out. And it's just like this last sequence is so weird and silly it's but it's it works because everything the set design is amazing the music is amazing and it just works so well and it's short i mean that's the thing yeah. in a movie now you know that thing is 20 minutes long everyone's gonna get to talk yeah they're gonna get to say what they think about slow motion hugging yeah uh, it, they probably it really come is, in and go out you know it really is kind of like an old uh an nes style you just beat the game screen, yes yeah <laughs> where you just kind of get the screen that says congratulations now play it on hard <laughs> Is that it? Is that it? Yeah, I mean, I just... I love the sound design. I love the way it looks. It's probably the dividing line, I guess, between us would just be that I put a priority on um, story in most of the stuff that I sort of review. And I, fe- I feel it's... If you d- if you had half 
the stuff that went into the set design and sound design here, I don't think we'd be sitting here talking about this movie at this point. I don't think it would have carried know. on. That's I, that's so tough to say, though. I mean, like, I don't. I I feel like you you you're you're saying that there's not enough story, but there I feel like there's so much story. You know, it's so like it's such a tight story, and it's not it's not it's not. I don't know what the word is, but it's not like uh, it's not horribly complex, I guess. But it's just. They give you point A and point B, and it's really fun to get to point B. And it is about the world. I yeah, mean, it's about it's the right. creation of you know this entire uh, universe in that type of detail, which and not in the sense detail of set design, but in the detail like of the world. Like there is so much implied that makes you feel like you are part of a larger universe, and I think that is part of the story mm-hmm. you know where story is not just um you know story is the characters it's the world it's the setting it's all that stuff you know Come what on. i would actually compare this movie to is uh fury road because it has the same kind of level of detail and you've got the store the the characterizations are all there but the background on the characters is not but it's also inconsequential because i don't think you need it Okay, so we can wrap this up. Do, do people have uh, final thoughts? Anything else you wanted to add for this? Um, no. I think we're good. <laughs> we're done. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed the content, you can leave a like and a comment. Let us know what we got wrong about this, what we got right. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time with The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs>